No bullshit. <clears throat> God damn Sorry. it. Oh, all right. Yeah, nope. There's a requisite amount of bullshit. I was about to say no bullshit, just business, and we just got all the bullshit out of the way immediately. So, uh, we're the Hex Drinkers. I'm Jules. I'm joined by my co host, Eric. Hello. Oak. What's up? And Chev. Yep. And we are, as I said, no bullshit, all business. We're actually recording this early in the day. Early. As in it's before the set comes out, and early as in this is before we, when we uh, normally record, uh, we're going to be talking about some some Midnight Hunt. Pretty excited that there's a new set, and you know how we do this. When there's a new set, we got to talk about our favorite new cards. So we're doing Prime Picks. I feel like the attitude has changed just due to it being Sunday, and and just the we're, we're on a little bit of a different vibe, and I'm excited for it. Prime Picks, boys. We do this fairly consistently. One might say we do this whenever a new set of Magic the Gathering cards is released. One could say that. Which is uh, entirely too often. <laughs> There's a lot of those. That sounds like a, a conversation for a separate day. Maybe a hot takes part two. Spoiler. But uh, yeah. So we come up with some categories. A lot of them are pretty consistent across the way. But it is what it is. And uh, we talk about some cards. Before we get into everyone's favorite format. I want to talk about standard. Just because I haven't gotten to talk about standard in about two years. Since it's been the same format for the last two years. So uh, <laughs> boys. Ding dong. The witch is dead. We're going to rotate some things out, namely Throne of Eldraine, namely Ikoria. Any exciting picks for this this brand, this brave new world that we have, a standard? As someone who knows absolutely nothing about standard, I think I'm going to throw my opinion out there real quick. Please. Uh, I think that Fateful Absence just looks like a really strong card. Uh, it is one and a white, instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker, its controller investigates. A super simple white removal spell, it's very cheap. It's, it's not quite swords, it's just good enough, I feel like. It seems like this set is offering a lot of good control tools, and I think this is one of them. Uh, this is one that I would expect to see a fair amount of play. And additionally, if you're in a control deck and you're trying to keep things on the daytime end so that your opponent who's maybe playing aggro or mid-range doesn't get to transform their creatures into sort of the wilder end of things, it's a cheap spell that will hopefully help keep things in the daytime. I agree, Eric. I actually, well... You know that I like any card that says destroy, and I like when Wizards prints good white cards, but I think this actually will have some some nice benefit because I think one of one of the very strong decks coming off a rotation is going to be white aggro, white-based aggro, potentially mono-white aggro. Um, aggro decks are usually strong in the beginning of a format. There's a lot of strong white cards that are not rotating, and I think this is actually going to be a great sideboard card for decks because they'll play their normal aggro game, and then depending on what they're playing against, they'll be able to pull this in and remove key pesky threats while they're beating through with such cards as Intrepid Adversary. Uh, one and a white for a mythic human scout, 3-1 lifelink, but when he enters, you can pay one and a white any number of times, so essentially multi-kicker. And then for each time you pay that, uh, it gets a valor counter, and then creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each valor counter. So it is a, a scalable anthem. This affects him as well, so assuming you pay this, play this for four, it is now a 4-2 lifelink that buffs all your creatures one, but this is a great scalable threat because you can easily just play this on turn two. Three one lifelink is nothing to shake a stick at, especially in an aggressive deck. But if now all of a sudden, you know, you're playing against a, a deck with heavy removal and they've kind of one for one you into the mid or late game, you can just play this for six mana when you might have like started to flood out. And now all of a sudden, all your creatures are absolute beaters. And this thing has to be answered. Um, and if you're racing, the lifelink is also super, uh, super important. Yeah, so super huge. That card's going to kick butt. I think actually the whole adversary cycle is going to kick butt. I do want to already start cheating and talk a little bit about the blue one because I think people are underrating this. One and a blue for a 2-1 flash flyer. 
already serviceable. Hopefully Spirits will be a good deck. Um, but when it enters, you can pay one in a blue any number of times. Once again, that sort of multi-kicker. And then for every time you do that, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. And you may uh, choose th that many artifacts, creatures, or enchantments, and those phase out. I think this is going to be a great, uh, not only good for like Spirit tempo decks, um, but also for... Uh, more mid-range to control style decks, sort of like the Is It Dragons deck that I love a lot, uh, because we're losing like Brazen Borrower, so having an evasive threat that also can sort of scale and remove attackers slash blockers in the late game, I think this is actually going to be great, which is no surprise, these are both Mythic Rares, so but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mythic Rares are good, more at 11 But I like these though, because these are not like stupid, dumb in-your-face Mythic yeah. Rares like an Uro you know, or or even or even like a Goldspan Dragon, which is just you just you'll just play that in every red deck. Um, these are a little bit more niche and a little bit more lower powered, basically, which uh, mm -hmm. which is what we need going into this rotation. So. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. like the red one. That one's got some sauce, especially with not quite Bolt getting printed. Its multi clicker is uh, two and a red. It also has haste as its keyword, which I think is is pretty potent with the one one counters that come with it. You can then exile that many instant and or sorcery cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard, copy them, or you, you don't have to pay their costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just pay their mana up front with the three mana multi-kicker. <laughs> yeah. that, um, that is a card that I think will go in uh, an archetype, I think will be good in standard coming up, which I would now like to discuss as my top pick <laughs> for newly rotated. Um, there, there's a lot of cards here. Like Eric mentioned, the Almost Bolt, uh, I believe we're referring to Play With Fire. But yeah, I think um, my specific pick for this is going to be Smoldering Egg. Um, if you remember around like Eldritch Moon, Shadows Over Innistrad standard, uh, there was a really good standard deck called Thermo Thing, uh, which... Use Thermo Alchemist and Thing in the Ice, plus a ton of instants and sorceries. Surprise, it's a Spells Matter deck. I tend to really like those. <laughs> um, a blue-red Spells Matters deck. Yeah, no I know, worries. right? What a, what a concept. Um, but We're really hitting all the hot takes this episode. I know, Between right? that and good mythics. Yep. So, yeah, Smoldering Egg. Uh, well, well, yeah, first I'll say we do get Thermo Alchemist again in this, and he's exactly the same, even the same mm. art. So that's Great cool. Card. I love, I love my, my man Thermo Alchemist. But Smoldering Egg is our version of Thing in the Ice for this uh, rotation of standard. Uh, you could, it's very much templated uh, the same. Z uh, zero four with Defender for one, and in this case a red. Used to be one in a blue. Um, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a number of Ember counters on Smoldering Egg equal to the amount of mana spent to cast a spell. With Thing in the Ice, it was just four, but you could cast spells of any kind. Um, then if Smoldering Egg has seven or more Ember counters on it, Remove them and transform a smoldering egg. What it transforms into is a 4-4 flying dragon with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, he deals two damage to any target. So it's going to be sweet for the burn plan. Uh, that plus Thermo Alchemist, that adversary, and the play with fire Eric mentioned. And we also get a better version of Opt in this set, which is... Uh, which was called... Consider. Consider, yes, thanks. For some reason I was called, thought it was called Convolute. But, and I even wrote it down. Convolute's a different spell. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be good. And then I know Expressive Iteration has been making some uh, rounds in in Standard and even like Modern and stuff. So uh, that's going to be great for, you know, take two counters off of the Dragon instead of just one. So yeah, um, I'll probably be playing that deck. And that's <laughs> that's my <laughs> top pick. <laughs> top picks. 
That's a sick card. I actually was trying to refer to Moonrager Slash, oh. which is mm. two and a red, cost two less of its knight, oh. deal three damage to any target. But that card is, I think, definitely a little less good than the one you mentioned. Yep. It is just better than Shock, which is... <laughs> yes. Shock Plus. It was yeah. part of that cycle that was originally shown off with like Ops Plus, Shock Plus, and then the cool new... I think it's one black and one generic destroy target creature. You lose two yeah. life. Pretty good uh, yep. destroy spell. Doom, yep. Doom Blade Plus. Yep. Doom Blade Plus, yes, exactly. Or, or uh, Murder Plus. <laughs> yeah, really Murder Plus. Murder Plus Plus, the deluxe edition. Um, so my pick... Is a little bit different. I'm also, like Eric, don't have a lot of experience with standard ever since uh, the companion rule changed and I gave up my standard hopes and dreams. But this guy, I think, has has the makings of a very good glue card uh, for a lot of those different archetypes. And that's Malevolent Hermit. It's a 2-1 for 2. But he has the ability, tap a blue, sacrifice Malevolent Hermit, counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays 3. So it's kind of like a, a soft counter that you can get early in the game. But more importantly... Um, Malevolent Hermit has Disturb for three, and it comes back as a 2-2 with flying, and non-creature spells you control can't be countered. So that's setting up as a really nice piece in Spells Matter decks, but what I think is more interesting, and I hope we, we see something of it, is the interaction with Ward. So Ward has replaced Hexproof on a lot of creatures, and for those of you who are unfamiliar because it's a somewhat new keyworded mechanic, that's counter-target spell unless the person casting the spell on it, um, the opponent, pays the ward cost, which is usually additional mana, some life, whatever. But if the spell can't be countered, it gets through wards. So not only are you able to kind of not have to worry about your larger non-creature spells being countered, but you can get around a bunch of the pesky cards that kind of have ward one thrown on them in this set. It seems like this set's really trying to make ward a, a key ability. And I think Benevolent Geist, which is the flipped version of malevolent hermit uh has some real pull there i think that'll be good too because I, I would expect wizards to continue to print ward on like rare or mythic bombs like it was on the blue dragon from afr yeah. mm -hmm. and like getting to just kill that without consequence aka without having to pay like six mana for a for a for a, for a two mana last grasp would be pretty nice perhaps a two mana fateful absence <laughs> that it, it could be that one as well I forgot Delver of Secrets is going to be in this set, too. That's uh, I should have picked that. That's true. They did it. <laughs> that is they reprinted one. the homie. I feel like that's that's like a known quantity. I, 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 I really, actually really like the Smoldering Egg. <clears throat> if only there was like some way to like proliferate those counters a little bit, because seven is a lot. But, I mean, once you flip it... Proliferate does the exact opposite of what you want, Julie. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you want to take the counters, counters off. You're not adding them, yeah. buddy. Oh, it removes them? Oh, yeah, I, think I so. read that card wrong. You okay, need to say proliferate backwards, and that's the ability you're looking for. Oak, when you make this deck, you gotta have the word scrambled in oh. there somewhere, or I'm not gonna respect Wait, it. Wait, no, it, it is it is right. Th Thing in the Ice took counters off, but this one... Oh, this one puts them actually on. Actually does put them on. Seven. Yeah, so we can proliferate. Alright, All right. so the dream is alive. Maybe there's a card in Historic that prolif proliferates. Yeah. Yeah, like, all War of the Flux Spark. Channeler. Flux Channeler. Mm -hmm. Oh, true. War of I forgot about War of the Spark. I was thinking back to, like, you know, I was thinking... I love me a Tezzeret's Gambit, so, like, if I could just play Tezzeret's Gambits all day... I forget if this was said. Could you Heartless Act your own egg to remove counters from it? Isn't that the one? The removal spell that can counters. also... Yeah, we want to add them, though. We're, I, I'm so dumb. <laughs> you know what would be sick, though? Now I'm thinking about it. If they ever fill in... This is on Arena, of course. If they fill in, like, Shadows Over Innistrad block, or at least just print Thing in the Ice, mm. you play Thing in the Ice, you play Heartless Act, targeting your own Thing in the Ice, it removes a counter because you played a non-creature spell, and then you remove three more, and it immediately flips. Yep. That would be sick. That's sick. <laughs> Plus, there's a lot of horrors in black, so... Yeah, that could be a sick deck, actually, if that was a 
It's like a two-card combo, basically. All right, turning the uh, the card dial back from 11, which is standard, let's go back to like maybe four or five. So what are you guys thinking for your top picks for like limited or popper CDH, that kind of lower power level that might sneak under the radar? I got a pretty solid one, I think. Um, search party captain, th- uh, four mana, three and a white for a human soldier. Spell costs one less for each creature you attack with this turn, and when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. So I feel like this is kind of like the going to be like the Thraben Inspector of this uh, set. Yeah, it's kind of It's just hot. like, I think e- e- beyond even Pauper ADH, I think this card will be decent in like a mono white, just like Pauper deck. I, and I feel like, honestly, maybe this might even see play in like modern humans or something, because like you attack with some humans. I mean, you're not going to vile this thing in anytime soon, but you can you can also use like flicker effects to kind of like keep drawing cards. Same. Right, get that card draw. Yep. And it, with the relevant type, it makes it better than Wall of Omens or whatever we saw in AFR, which was like some dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Makes... Similar ability was like gain a life, draw a card. Yeah, mana. exactly. I'm digging this card a lot. Anytime they print a white card that says draw a card on it, I'm just like, yes, please or may I have another. I love that it's common too, because that's that's gonna kick butt in any sort of popper decks, po- oh, popper or popper EDH. I yeah, I meant I meant all of the above. If it's got a P, it's for me. Crazy. Let's, yep. let's, um, let's anyway. hold on to that. Uh, well, I actually picked a red card out of character. Uh, unfortunately, it's an uncommon, but uh, I mean this this is just this is just too good. Uh, Cathartic Buyer. It's a one and a red for an instant, and you get to choose one and choose one. Honestly. Probably my favorite phrase on a magic card behind draw X number of cards. Um, <laughs> Cathartic Pyre deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. All right, so boom. We already have Lightning Strike, which is just good. Mm-hmm. Next option, discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards. If you know Doretti, which we all know Doretti very well, uh, this is one of his, this is his uh, zero or maybe plus two. I forget. These are both just cards that you would pay two mana for, and you get to choose either. You just always have that flexibility. You can either kill something or filter and the best thing is this is discard up to two cards draw that many so you can just discard one draw one or if you just have a bunch of lands discard two draw two the modality on this card is huge that it's just this is going to kick butt like this is probably second or third best card for low rarity red in draft um one of the best cards overall and then this is just a card that i would actually play in regular edh um i think you could easily play this in most formats pretty much yeah, every once in a while, red seems to pop out of nowhere with, like, a really solid modal card. Even though it's completely different in effects, it makes me think of a braid from um, yeah. the Amon Cup oh. block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so even then, like, red will just pop out of nowhere with these, like, really interesting effects. Because red does have, like, a quite large scope of abilities. And so whenever you stack two together, it just makes it a, a super-powered card. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing for me was, like I said, I was just, like, I would play either of these as a whole-ass card. The fact that mm-hmm. you were putting, putting them on, you know, you're saving me deck space to play other stuff, and I can just have this modality... Beautiful. Love it. This card really reminds me of uh, Fire Prophecy from Ikoria, and seeing as how that's going to be rotating, it's nice that we get to another kind of similar card. It could be a standard card, depending on how standard's looking. I also picked a card with red in it. Also an uncommon, I picked Sunrise Cavalier. Specifically, I like it a lot as an option for a PDH commander. It is one red-white, human knight, trample haste. If it's neither day or night, it becomes day as Sunrise Cavalier enters the battlefield, so you sort of just get to establish that, like, it is day or it is night, and that will continue throughout the game, so as soon as you hit turn three, you can start this process of cycling between them. And the ability that I really like on it is whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. This, I think, is very notable due to it being a consistent way to generate 1-1 counters, in the zone 
and sort of just this built-in aggro. In PDH, it's very common for someone to be like, I have a bunch of draw spells, I need to cycle through my deck because most of it's garbage. Seeing two spells cast in a turn, not uncommon. It's also very common to be for someone to be like, I'm hellbent, draw a land, land pass. <laughs> I think that you'll see a lot of cycling between night and day in the average PDH game. And so I think you will get a lot of value out of those 1-1 counters. And then having it not necessarily have to go on the Cavalier uh, is great for dodging some removal. But the ability to put it on this card with Trample and Haste, I think, is potent. One of the things that at least I personally wasn't even like registering until now because I've been thinking of a lot of these in a two-player context, but you play Sunrise Cavalier. I cast two spells. Oak casts no spells. Chev casts two spells. We have now flip-flopped day and night three times in a single turn cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have put three extra power worth across your creatures. That's huge. I think that maybe like you play this turn three, I think it'll stay day for a little while, but I absolutely think that later on in the game, you're going to start to see a lot of cycling back and forth. I think that's one of the coolest things about Midnight Hunt. Besides, you know, the whole day-night mechanic controlling, like, the creatures flipping, having these cards that kind of just see the day-night cycle shift, because there's a lot of them that kind of, like, they don't interact with day-night themselves besides noting the transition between the two. And I think those are going to be super strong in a multiplayer context, regardless of format. Like, PDH for sure, but the number of turns where Julian in EDH is going to say, like, draw, pass, just because he wants to play all of his flashcards at another time could do something that you know will benefit you all right chev why don't you uh, tell us your card because we got we got sidetracked back to the topic at hand my top pick for limited for pauper edh and probably going in an edh deck of mine is morbid opportunist it's a one three for three and whenever one or more other creatures die draw a card this ability only triggers each turn once each turn so we've got a little bit of that stuff we started seeing with AFR where some of these abilities were toned down a little bit, mostly the use of the line, this ability triggers only once each turn. Kind of a bummer, but that's still a massive ability we don't normally see on uncommons. So whether or not this could function as a PDH commander, probably more casually, I can't imagine you wanting to play a mono black deck with just card draw in the zone and um, CPDH. I don't think there's enough combos that would work just in mono black, uh, but in, in more casual, this is probably good. I'm, I'm looking at it for my Toshiro deck. And just having the... I think there's only a few cards that have the text whenever a creature dies, not one of your creatures. Whenever a creature dies, draw a card. So it's a super useful ability to have, especially in a deck where you're going to be flinging around kill spells all the time. And we know you like killing stuff, Jeff. I do like murdering some things in my Toshiro deck. Another thing you like, though, is uh, like little, little references, little, little flavor in your magic, don't you? Well, I can tell you, Midnight Hunt, I mean, obviously, it's got, got big shoes to fill, kind of being the, the true spiritual successor to Innistrad. So they've really been doing it up with the flavor and also with the callbacks and, you know, kind of the references. So we, we've assembled some of our, our favorite ones here. Chev, yours, yours, I think, is just a meme, but why don't you tell us about it? So <laughs> there's this flip land. It taps for a color list. It's Hostile Hostile. Chev, Hostile Hostile. Hostile Hostile. <laughs> Thank you. Tap one. And it, sacrifice a creature, put a soul counter on Hostile Hostile. Then, if there are three or more soul counters on it, remove those counters, transform it, then untap it. Activate only as a sorcery. Transformed, it is called Creeping In. <laughs> and looks like a house with a bunch of limbs. Whenever Creeping In attacks, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life. Where X is the number of creature cards exiled with Creeping In. 
And if that weren't enough, it's a 3-7, and you can also tap 4 and have Creeping In phase out. Now, something important about phasing out is this isn't blinking it. It doesn't come back as a land. Since it never actually leaves the battlefield with phasing, it's just safe. And then it comes back as Creeping In. Some of the fun, fun with phasing and a set with transform cards, uh, which I think is super cool. But anyway, I just really like the the overall flavor of like a haunted house in this set. Because if you think about what the hostile hostile is doing, people are going in and getting murdered. And then once it's collected enough souls, it just becomes a massive monster. And it really makes me think of like that mid-2000s like kid horror movie Monster House, which I'm not <laughs> sure if you guys remember, but it's like the kids across yeah. the street because this house is going like crazy and it's eating people and it's all because someone died in the basement. And that's all I could think of with this card. And I, I don't know if I have a home for it yet, but I really want one just because the flavor is so on point of just like a haunted house becoming like a creature of its own volition and stalking around Innistrad. Is is creeping in a play on words? Yes. Because it's, it's creeping it's in? It's creeping in there. Gotcha. All right, I just want to make sure. One thing that I just realized is this might actually work really well in a Wolfguard deck because you get double the attack triggers. Yeah, I mean, you are exiling a lot from your graveyard, which would be good or bad. I but... think if you make it not a $30 Wolfguard deck, you can use red looting effects to keep your graveyard pretty mm. full. Mm. That's true. And I mean, only once, like the first time, right, you're exiling two creatures, so everyone's losing two, you're gaining two. Losing but then four, once it triggers four. that. Yeah, losing two, losing four, gaining four. Um, but then after that, like, it just snowballs really fast. You can make a spooky Wolfguard deck. I'll go next. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you should. All right, so I know Julian's going to hate me for this one, but I really love Croken Counterpart. Um, it's great. 10 out of 10 card. I saw it, and I, I definitely did hate it. I'm pretty sure I sent a message in the Discord that was just like, you, you were upset. WTF is this. I've, I've just, I've, I'm resigned to my fate now, as usual. So I, I think it's cool because it's, like, it's the, the only real, like, tone break in the set. Like, the, the art on this card is, like, absolutely just goofy as fuck. It is literally Froggy went a Corin and he did ride. But it's a callback to Cackling Counterpart, which was a card uh, that basically just create a copy of any creature on the battlefield, I believe. Uh, and I think that, it's one you control. One you control, okay. Yeah, where Croaking Counterpart is any creature on the battlefield. Yep. Of course, Croaking Counterparts is that creature is also a 1-1 frog. Um, but if there are any creatures out there with like really good ETBs or just like really good static effects, anything that's just good without having to rely on its stats or attacking, <laughs> then Croaking <laughs> Counterpart is great for that. Um, it's only three mana, which is nice. Uh, one, a blue and a green. It's got flashback for uh, three, a blue and a green uh, sorcery. You just slap it in an EDH game, which of course is what we're going to compare it to. And everyone has solid etb creatures like you see a grand abolisher on the battlefield the stats don't matter now you have one and the ability to kind of cast it twice and then have access to it when it's in the graveyard like there's just so much utility there to have this dumb frog yeah or like i want a crater of behemoth it's a one one but who cares <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, gonna it does be not huge matter much. i'm just thinking like if i copy a co the great distortion and now i can discard my hands to counter spells oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude can you imagine getting a 1-1 frog and like copying like a uh what's annihilator what's the, three <laughs> yeah what's what's the biggest <laughs> annihilator annihilator four i don't know like og kozlak or whatever it's just like a yeah one one with annihilator four like, <laughs> or maybe that that ulamog that's like indestructible in annihilator four so it's just this frog ribbiting at you <laughs> or, or the one that attacks and exiles 20 cards from the top of your library oh god that's kind just, of annoying ribbit <laughs> 
<laughs> Sticks his tongue out and just nabs the top 20. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I really do hate this card, but it's <laughs> it'll it'll be funny when someone finally plays it and it it's it's something stupid like that where it's just like I now have an Ulamog as well. Tiny one. <laughs> Mini me. <laughs> It'd be great if like the frog Ulamog ends up annihilating the original. <laughs> there can be only one. Yeah. <laughs> the card that I chose, not necessarily like a reference or anything as quite as explicit as Croaking Counterpart is Moonvale Regent, which is just a, a very visual callback to Mirrorwing Dragon. They look very similar. They're clearly like the same type of dragon. It's And there are other dragons on the same plane that don't look this way. So it is these, some subset of them are these like stained glass wing dragons. And uh, they all have super unique, super cool effects. Moonvale Regent is three and a red flying. Whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. When Moonvale Regent dies, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. So it's an int- uh for a four four, by the way. Sorry. It's a super interesting card. Uh, I think that you would want to play it in, if not a rainbow deck, something close to it, where, uh, or just an aggro deck where, you know, maybe you're in two colors and you're planning to be pretty hellbent most of the time and ripping through. Oh, if only there was a five color, like, dragon commander, that'd be sick. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. I don't want to yeet my hand all that often. <laughs> And also, most dragons are, like, two colors at most, so... Eric, Eric, I do want to say, you were saying that that is a reference to Mirrorwing Dragon. It's also a reference to uh, another card that's literally just called Moonvale Dragon. Oh, shit. Um, don't, know if, don't know if you knew that one existed. <laughs> oh, shit. You should look that up, though. It's, it's, it's a pretty good card. It's from an uh, original Innistrad block. Will you look at that? Oh, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> what right. it's referencing. Uh, <laughs> resuming the podcast, as Julian has just informed me off of the uh, hot mic... Uh, this is also a reference to Moonvale Dragon, which is uh, not quite as interesting, but does have sort of that same wing pattern and a very similar naming convention. Uh, this is sort of a double callback to two different blocks in Innistrad and two different creatures that we have seen throughout that time. It's also just a sick card. Yeah. Like, I just, I love this card. My callback is uh, very on the nose. Uh, it's Champion of the Perished. It's a one black for a 1-1 one, one zombie, and it says whenever a zombie enters the battlefield under control, you put a 1-1 one, one counter on Champion of the Perished. Uh, from original Innistrad block, there was Champion of the Parish. <laughs> Parish, like, like you know, like a church. That that one, spelled slightly differently. It's literally the same card, except it's white and it cares about humans. And this is just the zombie version of that. Which, I think, it's, they even look exactly the same. They're wearing well, the same... Specifically, I think it's the zombie of the Champion of the Parish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like the flavor they... text is specific about that. Yes, he, he is the same guy. He is just now a zombie, so instead of skin, he is all bones, but he's wearing the exact same stuff. He's still a champion. Yeah. <laughs> still a champ. I, this is this is a great callback, but I also think it's it's an even better callback because this card will probably see play. There will probably be a zombie deck in standard, yeah. and zombies has always been, like, sort of almost there in modern. So, like, if anything is going to give it the, the kick it needs to go, this is going to be that card, and this is going to probably be pretty pretty powerful in standard. So, shout out to Champion of the Perished. But uh, yeah, I just I read the card and I was like, yeah, this is this is a color shifted version of that card. You know, when they did that in Time Spiral, they, they were literally just like, <laughs> screw it, we we'll just color shift it. There, there it is. I do want to say their flavor texts are also mirrors of each other. So, Champion of the Parish says he rose from the graph for every cobbler, tanner, and fool who'd been slaughtered in the parish, and they rose and shambled after him. The original is 
I stand for every cobbler, tanner, and fool in this town, and they stand for me. So he protected them. Now they're all dead, and he's like, "All right, lads, <laughs> let's let's go <laughs> Time get for <him."> revenge. <laughs> Those are just a few of many of the excellent references. There's references in mechanics, in names, in just random pieces of art. Check those out. All right. Should we talk about the thing we all came here to talk about? Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about enough other boring stuff. It's time to go into Commander. Oh, yeah. Chev, considering you wrote only about a half sentence on what you were going to do, why don't you go ahead? So my, my pick for Commander, um, some of you may know I've been pining to make a werewolf deck for some time, but it's been incredibly hard to commit with Ulrich of the Kralen Horde at the lead. I, I usually set myself some very strict deck building restrictions, whether intentionally or not, it's hard for me to be like, all right, Ulrich will lead this horde even though he does nothing for them. And so it kind of just feels like he's a friend as opposed to a, a general. Luckily, that's been changed with Tovalar, Dire Overlord. 3-3 three, three for 3, Human Werewolf. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So we have that Toski text, uh, just specific for wolves and werewolves. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then transform any number of human werewolves you control. Now this is super relevant because as we mentioned a little bit prior, daybound and nightbound is the cycle that controls the new werewolves. If it's day or neither, the creatures will enter on the daybound side. And then once it becomes night, they'll flip. But they are strictly bound to that existence. If it's night, they are werewolves. If it's day, not. Meanwhile, the old werewolves were not eroded to have the same ability. So they still function off the old way. So if it's night, they don't give a shit. It doesn't make a difference. They just need to have cast zero spells. So with Tovalar having the ability, you know, if you control three or more, it becomes night, then transform any number of human werewolves. It is kind of that glue that keeps it together. And it's a bummer it's only on this one card because with this sort of new cycle, a lot of the new werewolves are going to be a lot more powerful. Anyway, the backside of Tovalar is the Midnight Scourge, which is a werewolf holding a sword, which is just great. 4-4, uh, four, four, same Toski text. Uh, that's another pattern we see with a lot of these werewolves. Instead of the old one, which is like they just become infinitely more powerful when they're flipped, a lot of the werewolves will maintain one ability on both sides to make them function the same way in a deck this one has the whenever a wolf werewolf deals combat damage draw a card but it also has the kessig wolf run ability which is tap red green and x target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus x plus zero and gains trample until end of turn so a lot going on on this card it is hard to fight that there is a better with lore with power with function werewolf commander so this will obviously be at the helm of my deck i'm not sure how many old werewolves are really going to make the cut even though Tovalar does have some support for them. And it's also a bummer because a lot of the old werewolf cards that help transform, like Moonmist, don't affect modern werewolves. Because when it transforms werewolves, if it's still day, it doesn't, etc. Are there any other cards in this set that do similar to Tovalar that say, like, switch day-night, but also you get to transform any number of wolves slash werewolves you have? Or he, is he the only one? I do not believe so. Dang. I believe the ability was added to Tovalar specifically because they knew he would be the figurehead werewolf commander. The closest one we have is the three mana artifact, tap for a colorless, tap two in it, it becomes night if it's day. Um, but I don't think that that has the text as well. Um, I just I just looked it up. It, it does not. Yeah. 
So it's only Tovalar, but you know that's okay. We're going to make the most of it. There's a lot of solid options in this current set. There's a lot of solid options um, that we'll probably still pull over from Shadows Over Innistrad and the original Innistrad block. And I'm just super excited to finally put this deck together as a sort of mechanical identity that I think a Gruul beatdown deck normally has. Jeff, aren't you excited to build this? And then like you get to like transform your Chameleon Colossus and your Torian Mauler? That's going to be sick. <laughs> Do they transform? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. They're just they're oh. just changelings. <laughs> they they're might just try. Changelings. What what I think I'm really most excited about this is once I build the Tovalar deck, we will have to play all in-person commander games on a pool table. And I'm gonna get one of those like casino flippers. <laughs> and whenever it becomes night, I'll have my little visor on and be like, night, and I'll stick it under all the cards and flip them over individually. <laughs> just for the sheer aesthetic. That sounds like a ton of effort for like no payoff. <laughs> it'll be it'll be very cool for that one first game and then after that we'll be like all right chev play like a normal person <laughs> chev i will i will be right there with you playing with that flipping table because my commander of choice for this set also has to do with day and night Segway. so um Ooh. my my pick we is uh vadric astral archmage or archmage i believe it's archmage yeah either mm. okay Archmage. He really likes arches. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he's an architect. This is a human wizard for one, a red and a blue, with instant and sorcery spells you cast cost X less to cast, where X is Vadric's power and he starts off as a 1-2. So, first of all, basically just Goblin Electromancer in the command zone. Pretty good, pretty good. We're, we, we're Pauper EDH now, we got Goblin Electromancer. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> made it commander. to Pauper EDH levels, <laughs> yeah. let's go. Yes, but... Um, things get more exciting for Vadric, uh, because he also has uh, very similar to, or a very similar ability to um, Eric's uh, top pick for Pauper, Sunrise Cavalier. Uh, if it's neither day or night, it becomes day as he enters the battlefield. And whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, put a 1-1 counter on Vadric. So, as before, we had this whole discussion about how in EDH games, that's probably just going to happen like all the time. Just like flipping from day to night, yeah. uh, back and forth, and of course, Chev's uh, casino table idea. You know, I'll, I'll be there for that. <laughs> I'm here for it. But uh, yeah, he's just gonna get huge, and uh, your big spells are just gonna cost less and less over time. Uh, so if you're looking to make like a spell singer deck, kind of like Mizix or something. Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you think it'll be interesting to see how this compares to Mizix in terms of just overall discounting of spells over time? Like which one you can kind of build? It's it's hard to say because. I, I think this one will be a little bit better, just because I think it'll be... I think Mizzix will be better, but Mizzix will die a lot more. So, yeah, that's true. It's a bigger target. Um, I think this guy's really cool. Kind of looks like Echo Mage, who kind of looks like DMX. Rest in peace. <laughs> and uh... You know, I'm not going to lie. When I saw this guy, I was like, ah, shit, they just printed a second Teferi. Yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's Teferi's cousin. I don't really cousin. like it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool, especially getting into some of those synergy with, like, Spellslinger, but also caring about the power and toughness. Because I know Red has a lot of abilities that are like double power and toughness. Oh, yeah. And when it comes down to it, like you play one of those instantly, like say he has three counters. Now, like you're casting some crazy shit from your hand for like ridiculously cheap. One final comment on the whole like adding day and night cycle. I really like, similar to like how Jared and uh, Marchesa add like the Monarch to the game. It's just like, boom, now we got day and night here. You know what I mean? He has a very cool. Uh showcase art too it's one yeah. of the like black white black and white i, I don't know what he's the... just like yeah he's oh he's he's big chilling yeah, that'll translate up. really well on a podcast oakley the, uh, <laughs> the expression you make and the face <laughs> well 
I don't have a transition, but I'm going to talk about my guy. Sounds good. It's, Bor- it's, it's the Boros guy. I'm talking about Boros again, boys. Buckle up. Julian, you keep talking about Boros with all these commanders, but I never see any of these decks really get made. You know... Is this the one that breaks it? This is the thing that I just... I was going to make this comment in our next category, but I just have realized that I like actually need to really dedicate myself and just make a deck because I've just had like the same two decks for like two <laughs> years now. And I've and I've like tested out. I've like I like proxied up. I'm like, oh, I'll try this one out. And I'm like, yeah, eh, it's all right. I got to be the champion for Boros because I want there to be a good Boros commander. And I think at least I don't know if they've necessarily made a like very good one, but I think they've made a bunch of Oscar. Oscar is pretty good. But you've already done Osgur, so it's not like I can like now just be like, well, I'm going to make an Osgur one too. You did Ferris for one of our game nights, right? He did Ferris for one. He did Hakdos for a couple. He's, he flirts with the idea. But uh, anyway, why don't you tell us about this this new one? Maybe this one will be where uh, Julian kind of jumps in and gets out there. Yes. Yeah. So this is a Rem Carolus. Stalwart Slayer is a one Star- red and a white. So Slayer. three Star mana Wars, for, a, for a, the Star Wars Slayer. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You're making me lose it. Um. So three mana for a legendary creature, human knight for a two, three. He's got flying and haste. All right. I already like that. He's cheap. He's evasive. And plus he's got haste. So in case you just want to do the attacky thing with Boros, you can still do it. If a spell would deal damage to you or another permanent you control, prevent that damage. Wow. All right. So we're just like any sort of spells, no damage. Not to us. No one's comet storming us and no one's lightning bolting our creatures. Notably, you're not chain reactioning or blasphemous acting yourself. I was going to get there, damn it. I, but yes. I'm sorry. Yes, so that is that is another notable thing. Um, obviously, white has things like Wrath of God, which we don't want to play, but if you're playing things like Sweltering Suns or Blasphemous Act or Chain Reaction, any of the damage-based uh, board wipes that red has, that will not deal any damage to this because it is any spell, not just spells that your opponents control. And also, if a spell would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus one instead. So now we're just buffing the amount of damage we're doing, so now all of a sudden our lightning bolts can kill four toughness creatures, etc. It's just extending our reach. But this card is sick uh, because I think you can do, go into a sort of weird spell slinger thing where you're just doing that thing where, yeah, now all of a sudden your spells are doing a lot more damage and you can play things like Blasphemous Act, Chain Reaction. Um, obviously, the best thing is you want to throw in things like Torbrand. You can play Torolf. And then, of course, you play Blasphemous Act, Chain Reaction, Star of Extinction. Um, and you play things like Brash Taunter, Spite Mare, uh, Boros Reckoner, which now all of a sudden when they get hit, they deal all that damage to another target, probably someone's face. And then if that's not enough to kill the table, they're still alive because your spells are not dealing damage to them. So that's a pretty sick deck. And this is also a sneaky throwback because Blasphemous Act, which came out in, I think, Dark Ascension or maybe original Innistrad, uh, was in the same standard format as Return to Ravnica was right after that. And that had a card called Boros Reckoner, which, like I said, whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to any target. So... Blasphemous Act, Boros Reckoner combo was a deck in that standard. Fun facts. Cool. A little history lesson for you kids. <laughs> so, of course, something quickly to note, uh, just in case, is <laughs> don't try the uh, Boros Reckoner technique with your commander out. It won't work because no damage will be dealt to creatures you control. So it's it's a solid option, um, but just remember to read your cards. Because <laughs> yep. I'm sure if I played that deck, I'd make the mistake. On the same well, note... I totally just fucked the entire thing up. You're right. It does not even deal any damage. So that doesn't <laughs> even work. Don't expect Rem to survive your Blasphemous Act, uh, because it is another permanent you control. So you're going <laughs> to want some kind of indestructible working in here. 
Can I choose a different commander? I, no. I really just... This man is still a king. I have a combination of dyslexia and also I'm just dumb and everything that I wanted to do with this no longer works. Dude, just play... Uh... I want... I want a re- I want a fucking refund. Jesus Christ! Just play the the white commander support creature that gives your commander indestructible. Well, it's alive. Boom, solid. <laughs> okay, I still think there are cool things that you can do with this. And once again, it is an interesting Boros commander. Also, an interesting Boros commander that doesn't cost a million mana. We've had a few of those. I'm so dejected now. <laughs> yeah. So even even if you have to wipe the table with a a, a blasphemous act and you lose your commander, he's coming back for five mana the next time, and your board side is safe. Stick with the burn side of things with Torbran and Torolf and those, and I think you still have a really interesting deck since all of your spells are doing more damage. I'm sad. Eric, what is your card? My card, the absolute king of kings. You don't need to read to master him because he is just simply that good. It's old stick fingers. X a black and a green for a legendary creature horror. Uh, Power and toughness of star star. We'll get into it. When you cast the spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way into your graveyard. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Old Stick Fingers' power and toughness are each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So, I saw this and I immediately had any reaction. That's super dumb. You can just run like three creatures and always hit them. And just immediately nail the exact creatures you want into your graveyard consistently. And then you just need consistent reanimation, and all of a sudden you're doing stuff. Something. Yeah, this is just a dumb combo card, right? Yep. Okay. That's that's my read on it, at least. <laughs> you were like, star, star, very interesting. And I was like, no, it's not. You're not going to be attacking. <laughs> you're not going to use the combat step. I mean, you might, but like only if you have infinite creatures... Or some similar thing. You only need 21 uh, creatures in the yard, and then you can Voltron someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just cast it for 23 on the first cast, and you're, you're off to the yeah, races. Yeah, just generate infinite mana. You're and in then, green? Like, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, generate infinite mana, and then if, instead of killing someone with something easy like a Torment of Hailfire, try and attempt to go for the combat kill, which you don't even have haste on. I think while all of this is interesting, there is a massive travesty. And that is, their name is Old Stick Fingers... And they're not a tree folk. Yeah, I do kind of agree. Anyway, uh, you can also play old stick fingers as a cr- just like generic like reanimator style commander, where you get to do all of the traditional stuff, and you're filtering a bunch of cool and powerful creatures in. But I did not have time to pick out a specific combo I wanted to highlight with old stick fingers, where you could just run like minimum creatures. But I think that there are certainly some fun things that you could get into in Golgari. What, probably devoted druid in like a uh, Ivy Lane Denizen. Anything with Necroticus. <laughs> you want everything but Necroticus. <laughs> yeah, but you you put it into and then you just run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every reanimation reanimation spell. Let's be real. There is no budget. We are we are tutoring for everything. We are entombing everything. There's no budget for this deck. This is a CDH deck. All right, we'll leave this as an exercise to the listener. Show us your best stick fingers combos. <laughs> An exercise to listen, more like Eric's going to show up to game night in a few days and be like, all right, guys, let's <laughs> fucking go. You've seen Primal Surge. Get ready for Sticky Fingers. <laughs> uh, it's not sticky, just stick. stick. Yay, Sticky Fingers is a very different thing. Yeah, the combo that I think most people will probably end up going for is you run two creatures in your deck, Micaiah's the Unhallowed, uh, and Walking Ballista, or Triskelion. And then the rest of your deck is just Golgari Control and Ramp, and just no one is allowed to win the game. 
Super cool commander. I very much like the unique sort of design they went with with him. A very traditional, like, Golgari reanimator route, or for this, like, hyper-dedicated combo route. All right. Should we bring this home? Talk a little bit more about commander, I should say. Uh, but, you know. Exactly. Obviously, we have existing decks or decks that might be in the process of brewing, and those decks need cards. So we're probably going to take some of those cards from this here set and put them in those there decks. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, Julian. Um, why don't you tell us what what you've got homes for already? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first because Chev, you wrote way too many cards down. <laughs> first off, Vanquish the Horde. Uh, I thought someone was actually gonna talk about this, but no one did. Uh, six well, white. It's so boring. <laughs> of course, it's gonna go in decks. All right. Once again, this is where I was gonna say, oh wow, I really should like make more decks because a lot of these are like, kind of just like, yeah, probably just gonna put this in deck, but still feel like I should talk about it. Vanquish the Horde. Six white and white for a sorcery uh cost one less for each creature on the battlefield destroy all creatures so this is just your white blasphemous act basically it can be better than like a wrath of god you know depending on the situation generally when you want to you know blow the board up there's it's going to be four plus creatures so this is just another wrath of god if not better the discount once you get to like wrath of god mana uh the discount down to either three or two mana um does not matter until you get to the very tuned limits of things but that is where my esper control deck is so this will probably be seeing play also it has sick art and would look great in foil which is another criteria for that deck um <laughs> i don't know if it actually does it have a promo let me look real quick i don't, I don't think, think so. so well it'll have an extended art because it's neither a werewolf or a cleric so it doesn't get ah, yes of course yes so the extended art also it's got the homie Audric. uh he is on the front so that looks pretty sick and he's standing on a pile of dead things maybe zombies. werewolves maybe zombies i don't know yeah, I mean, uh, there might be a werewolf or two in there. He doesn't look like he's... Who's to say? You know, dis- I don't think he discriminates when it comes to that very, very large sword that he's holding. <laughs> Another one that I want to talk about is uh, Ren and Seven, which we mentioned. That is the Planeswalker. This one I should read because it's got way too many words on it. Uh, five mana, three green green for a five loyalty Planeswalker. It's got four abilities also. Plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest in your graveyard. So this is going to go in my Tatiova slash AC lands deck. Uh, zero, put any number of land cards from your hand on the battlefield tap. That just reads zero, draw somewhere between three and five cards and potentially Stupid. gain between three and five life. Minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands. So that is a, a finisher thing. And then minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with, you have no maximum hand size. So a, a pseudo Praetor's Council. Um, this is just kind of an all-purpose. It just does everything that that deck wants to do. This, along with uh, the Simic Legend Ooze Slogurk, which mm-hmm. cares about lands going in and out of graveyards. I, I was actually debating doing like a kind of like a package switch out with Tat and doing a more caring about graveyard things like uh, with like a Splendid Reclamation. Yeah, Splendid Reclamation, but uh, also with Titania. So I was debating, mm-hmm. and, you know, like Life from the Moment. So I was debating taking it in that direction, at least for a little bit. Um, so those would all go in. And then also Augur of Autumn is a, uh, another card that just says you can play lands off the top of your library. And then if you have, yeah. uh, I believe, Coven, you can play creatures off the top as well, which that deck doesn't have a, a huge amount of creatures. But once again, this just, just goes through your deck so quick. Those are probably all going to be tested in the Tat- Tatiova deck and potentially adopted. Um, and then I do have actually a dishonorable mention, uh, and that is <laughs> Lear, the Disciple of the Drowned. Three blue blue for a legendary creature human wizard, three four. 
Uh, so spells can't be countered in each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Graveyard has flashback, which the flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. This is definitely something that I want in my Esper control deck because you know if there's one thing I want to do is just cast Swords of Plowshares and counterspell over and over again. But there's a problem. <laughs> this thing says spells can't be countered. And that means all spells. Not just my spells, your spells. And one of the biggest things is I just want to have this and be able to fucking counter your spells whenever I want. Blink it as you're trying to counter the spell. True. Problem solved. Oh, yes. Sorry. Let me put in very <laughs> bad cards just to, you know, substantiate this minor synergy. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Great. I understand that Wizards is like, listen, we want new players to have fun. Stop countering all their spells. Just play removal instead of counter spells. All right. I'm going to talk now. <laughs> I got a few. First, I just want to give an honorable mention to all of the um, dual lands in this set. They're pretty much just going to be good in every EDH deck, because those games... EDH doesn't even start until turn three, like, realistically. <laughs> Normal EDH. Maybe CDH yeah, is yeah. different. Um, but yeah, just comes in untapped, uh, if, no matter how many lands you have, unless you have... Unless it's the first couple... Okay, I'm done. No matter um, how many lands you have, as long as it's yep. more than two. Yep. <laughs> They're good. Uh, They're good cards. Play them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so for um, my uh, Timnon Vile Smasher uh, deck, we got uh, a pretty sweet card, Ardent Elementalist, which is basically a red Archaeomancer. When it enters the battlefield, you get an instant sorcerer back from your graveyard. Sweet. Four mana, uh, three plus a red, which is less restrictive than Archaeomancer somehow, and it's got arguably better stats. It's a 2-1 instead of a 1-2, so you can kind of like, I don't know, maybe block something with a little bit more toughness. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so that's definitely going in. Uh, I'm also going to take, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Infernal Grasp, one in a black, instant, destroy any creature, lose two life. Pretty good for a uh, Spellslinger deck. For Noyandar, which we recently had a, a podcast on, I'm looking into many ways to upgrade that deck currently, and I'm seeing in this set um, Faithful Mending, which is kind of a callback to Faithless Looting, uh, it does a very similar thing, but possibly more balanced. It's uh, one blue, one white, draw two, discard two, gain two life, and then it's got flashback for one a blue and a white. And then finally, um, this was mentioned before as well, but Faithful Absence, love that card. It's going into Noyan. <laughs> Easy. Uh, I just have three, super quick. I think that I'll probably try and find room for Liesa Shroud of Dusk in Golos. It is mostly just... Oh, no, not Liesa Shroud of Dusk. Uh, the other Liesa, the new one that uh, I searched the wrong card and am now... Forgotten Archangel, uh, which has whatever another non-token creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So essentially just bringing back all of the heinous shit that the Golos deck wants to cast and making it even harder to remove and even harder to find permanent solutions to cards like that. And then uh, I have two cards that I wanted to try out, at least in the Kolvori deck. Uh, Sarath the Viper's Fang, other tapped creatures you control have Death Touch, other untapped creatures you control have Hexproof, one tap, untapped target creature or land you control. Uh, it is two and two green for a three, four legendary creature, Human Warlock. Fits the legendary creature theme, gives creatures hex hexproof, gives creatures death touch, sort of some control between which one they're operating with. Just seems like a really powerful card overall. Uh, and then, because that deck just likes to go super tall, unnatural growth, one and four green, at the beginning of each combat, double the power and toughness of each creature you control until the end of the turn. Just a super aggressive, beat down green card that uh, I'm very excited to run. For me, I've got um, about three things. Obviously, for Toshiro, uh, we've got the Infernal Grasp. Make me happy. 
More specifically, though, I want to talk about the Meat Hook Massacre, which is two black and X, a legendary enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. So it has the same cost and effect as Black Sun Zenith, but in a deck that doesn't care about minus one, minus one counters, it's arguably preferable for the next effect, which is whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Not that one. Uh, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you gain one life. There's there's Sangromancers in the Tashiro deck, and while it is good, the deck doesn't really care or benefit from having a lot of creatures. And since enchantments are usually harder to remove, while the life gain is less, having that tacked onto a secondary board wipe that can get around indestructible is pretty freaking solid. Because something that can happen with that deck is you just whittle down life over time due to things like snuff out. All of that, like you're accumulating these losses and then you kind of blown over with a small gust of wind. Things to kind of control the battlefield a little more, get some of that life back. Uh, for Oscar, uh, we have Moon Silver Key, which is a two mana, a tap one in it, sacrifice Moon Silver Key, search your library for an artifact card with a mana ability or a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So for decks that don't have green, being able to find a basic land, even if it goes to hand, is not terrible. It's probably not something you're going for a lot of the time, but an Osger where you can recur this two more times and have two more copies of this ability searching, and that's before we even get to the fact it can look up a soul ring, it can get an arcane signet. Anything with a mana ability too, can, there have been a ton of enchant or artifacts recently that have a ridiculous effect, but also have the mana ability tacked on. I think the alternate win con from Strixhaven was one of those. It was like a three yep. mana attack with mm -hmm. 20 creatures or something, but it also taps for a colorless. This probably is also going in the Tovalar deck because the uh, clock that we were talking about a little bit that taps for a colorless, but can also make it night. That is something you can search up. So it, there's a lot of utility here. And something that I, I learned while looking into this, I believe this also works with things like Caged Sun, because that has whenever a, a thing would tap for mana, tap an additional one. And that technically counts as a mana ability. Mm -hmm. So it's something to look into because there is a lot of hidden utility there. And with Osgur, where I can get a Soul Ring, get a Thran Dynamo, get any of these powerful artifacts, super good. The last thing I want to mention is for um, CPDH. I've been playing this Toast deck, which is Tormod and the Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro, both from Commander Legends. Um, but there's one particular card that I want to call out. There's a bunch that I'm going to put in here. But Rotten Reunion is just beautiful. Rotten Reunion is an instant for one black. Exile up to one target card from a graveyard. Create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decay, which means it can't block. And if it attacks, sacrifice it. So it's not, it's not a super zombie. But of course, you're exiling a card from a graveyard. If you exile your own, you've got a 2-2 zombie from Tormod. And where this really gets interesting is Rotten Reunion has flashback for two. So when you flash this bag, you exile it from your graveyard. You get a 2-2 zombie without decay. You exile a card as the ability of this from your graveyard. That's another 2-2 zombie. And you get a 2-2 with Decayed. So you're making 6 power and toughness for 2 mana at instant speed. And granted, you can only use 2 of them to block if you're doing this as a sort of combat trick. But that's still a ton of value in a format where value is sometimes lacking. Word up for that. Well, I think we did a pretty exhaustive look at uh, Midnight Hunt. Looking like some good cards. Looking like some good cards across a lot of formats, which is always exciting. Because we do love EDH, but, you know, turns out there are other formats that people like. Maybe even some of us on this show. Notably, not too good of cards, which is also great. Yes, we love that. There are cards that are very good in niche situations, or there are 
good cards that like I think Chev used the word like glue earlier in the show, like just nice kind of cards that aren't super too powerful. Um, and a lot of them aren't threats either, but they kind of just hold things together, which is excellent. All right, so we're going to enter the void and talk about a few things that you'll only get to hear if you're on our Patreon. Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Uh, welcome back, all you non-Patreon scrubs. We, we love you all, but you'd, we'd love you more if you were on Patreon. That's the end of the show. If you want to catch that content that you missed, um, sorry about Eric's aggressiveness. He's just... I'm just going Apparently off. we're taking up too much of a Sunday. That's not... Um, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Um, yeah, if you want to see that, though, you should go on over to patreon.com slash hexdrinkers. That's where you can support us, throw a corn to your witchards, and um, check out all sorts of bonus content and also just benefits from, uh, you know, you know, supporting your boys. Uh, everything from getting the full extended version of this cast, you get all of our show notes if you want to see more in-depth um kind of breakdowns of what we were talking about in this um you can put flavor text on our website uh we'll even do a uh, you know if you if you subscribe to patreon and send us a note we'll even do a, a full cast about one of your decks do a little little pimp my deck for your deck so um if you like what we're doing if you want to help support us and you want to get some of those benefits going over to patreon.com slash drinkers uh sign up today shout out to all our patrons we love you guys in addition, you can also find the rest of our content on our website. So that's hexdrinkers.com. We've got articles there. We've got uh, videos there from our YouTube and Twitch channels, which are both at Hexdrinkers. Um, and then also you can find this podcast there if you want to listen to old podcasts and you don't want to go over to things like Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I always forget to say this. Leave us a review, preferably a five-star review, but a review nonetheless. Uh, the algorithm is uh, king nowadays, so please just interact and help us get noticed by the, uh, the AI the senpais. Gods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're stirring. In their slumber. There's st- in some, <laughs> in, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, boys, did I miss anything? No. All okay. I thought the, the rant you gave during the Patreon section about, you know, what color you like more than red, really inspiring and interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I feel bad for everyone who can't hear it. Yep. That's such a clickbait title. Like, Oak rants about his the color he likes more than red. The answer will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> shock. None. It's red. <laughs> It's red. It's extra red. <laughs> yeah. Um, bright anyway. red. All right. Well, anyway, uh, this has been Jules with Eric Oak and Chev. We're the Hex Drinkers, and we're signing out. Like, Ren and Seven is on the plane because Ren really likes Innistrad trees. Yeah. (laughs) There's clearly, like, there's something going on, but maybe it has to do with there's not natively tree folk on Innistrad, and, like, I'm I'm trying, I'm bending over backwards for the lore, but this this thing should be a tree folk. Yeah. I agree. When you said that, I was like, I was like, what if it's, like, Christmas time on Ren and Seven's plane, and they're like, ah, no, I always got to get an Innistrad tree. They're the best. (laughs) Like, they're not super prickly. They're easy to decorate. That's honestly... Like, the, the first bit of, like, extra story was Ren and Six going to Innistrad, because Ren and Seven is one of the Planeswalkers here. And mm-hmm. the, the number refers to the Treefolk mech suit that she wears, <laughs> or, or that they wear. Um, I, I believe dryads are, are genderless. Um, so, anyway, the, the tree that she's been using as a, that they've been using as a mech suit is, like, plant me where I was born. And they're like, sure. So they drop the tree off in Innistrad, searching for another tree of the type. They're like... Only Innistrad Oak is where I'm at. And then even when they plant six, they're like, 
okay, hopefully one day you'll have sapperlings and I can use one of those as a mech suit. <laughs> like, let's start a lineage of just bombastic a tree power. And that's pretty awesome. But you yeah, know, that's, I did that's not, exactly it. I did not realize that there was such like a, a mutual respect between Ren and their mech suit. The I trees. thought this was a very, yeah. I thought this was a very exploitative relationship. Um, they go into that. It's really wild. They're like, you know, a lot of dryads will just pick up a tree and be like, boom, I have tree powers now. But Ren is like, yo, you're, you're no longer just a normal tree. You're animated. And and there's this whole talk of the six discovering the gender they want to be identified as because it's like an equal partnership. And, you know, that each one like coming into their own as a, a being. And then the tree got bored and decided to be a normal yeah. tree again. So, well, it's, Wizards it's a bit, was really wilding on that one. All right. Okay. 